All right, we are back. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM. Up next, Natasha Scripture, author of Manfast, a memoir. Good morning, Natasha. Good morning. Thank you for calling in. I was really intrigued by your memoirs. I'm sure a lot of people are. Could you talk a little bit about how this all came about? Yeah, well, thanks for asking, and thanks for having me on the show. I think, you know, some people think, wow, you're so too young to write a memoir, um, though that's kind of a new trend right now. <laughs> but I felt like I'd gotten to this place in my life where I had to um, write everything down before I forgot it, and also in order to, like, really understand how I felt about the things that had happened to me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it started. So it does have, like, a bit of a journal-like quality at parts, um, you know, and I think it gives it a sense of authenticity. But... Um, you know, essentially I had this very incredible but crazy job for many years. I was an aid worker for the UN, okay. bouncing around the world, and I just, I wanted to take some time to really process, like, what I'd seen in the places I'd been to, Haiti, Pakistan, Ethiopia, and to write about the people I'd met before I forgot about it, and also how I felt around that collective pain that I experienced because I was doing a lot of emergency work. And then I lost my father, and that was also like a whole grieving journey that I ended up writing about, which I didn't really plan to, but um, it just, Mm -hmm. obviously, it's it's healing to write. And so the book was about a bunch of things, as as you see. That's amazing. I mean, sometimes as we're writing, because I'm a writer as well, something just comes out, and you oftentimes you can't really ignore it. Yeah, and I was trying not to edit myself while I was writing because I think, you know, at first there wasn't really a lot of uh, blood on the page, and then I thought, you know what, I can always edit it out later, and right. then that's when it really started to to flow, right? Um, and yeah. I think it was Zadie Smith who said that writing is her way of expressing her way of being in the world, and I, I feel like that's kind of how I, I look at it as well. Um, yes. And I try to make it conversational, too, because they say that, you know, all good writing is kind of like having conversation on paper. Yes. And while I do do a lot of research, as you see, I reference a lot of philosophers and um, study some pretty <laughs> intense works like the Bhagavad Gita from India. I try to break it down in a way that isn't too, you know, too academic and yes. you know, so that people stay kind of invested in the storyline. Well, it opens people up to things that they perhaps have never heard of, and it's great. It's, it's definitely an eye-opener. So tell me about this journey uh, you, you were meditating in an ashram. T- talk about that, if you could. Yeah, sure. I mean, I did. Um, basically, I went on a man fast, which I like to call a, a nine-month spiritual detox from dating, <laughs> which, of course, is very catchy, but I think it was a lot more than that. Um, and I didn't really plan it beforehand. I just knew I'd gotten to this point in New York where I was living kind of a mindless existence. I'd gone back there to work for the U.N. headquarters, and I was just in this kind of frantic pace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of us do pack our lives up, and we don't really realize that we're not giving us ourselves any space to process and to be and to live in a mindful way. And I just, I didn't feel like I could do that anymore. And like I said, there was a series of events that made me want to just kind of go off into the wilderness, as they say. I'd also been really craving nature and stuff. So I had a, a bad, really bad breakup, and I was had been dating in New York City, and I was looking for this so-called one, and I mm-hmm. thought, you know, it just forget it all. Yeah. Let me just drop it and go go off and um, find myself. And like the whole premise of the book was that, like, you know, I'm going to live my life in a way that's 
whole and fulfilling without, you know, in the absence of a romantic partner, if that never happens to me, and what would that look like? Right. So I, you know, start off in India, and I live in an ashram in Kerala, and I study Ayurveda, which is a 5,000-year-old ancient system of health and well-being that was developed in Kerala. Um, it's a mind-body-spirit thing, and I write about that a lot in the book, and then I go to Sicily, and I start doing some kundalini yoga, and I work on a farm because I really wanted to get my hands dirty and reconnect with nature after being living in Manhattan for so long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I go to Tanzania. I was there actually for, on a work assignment for photography, a photography assignment, and then I ended up doing um, a safari, which I'd never done, because I was like, oh, I'll just do that when I get married and do it on my honeymoon. But I thought, no, <laughs> I might never get married. So I, I ended up doing it on my own and then marrying myself. Um, yeah, tell me about Zanzibar. that. Wait a minute. <laughs> I know I read that. I'm like, wait, I have to ask her about that. Well, you know, it's, it was symbolic. I mean, actually, self-marriage is a growing trend in many parts of the world. Like, I read that happens quite a bit in China because, like, if a woman is over 30 and she isn't married, then she's okay. considered, like, a leftover woman. Oh. Um, and it's just sort of a, it's basically yeah. women, women stepping up and saying, no, this is not okay. Um, you know, my mom is Indian, as I write in the book, and there is this, um, real deep belief system that a woman's marriage to a man is, is a rite of passage. It's a box that you have to check. And I, I don't believe that, and I didn't yeah. want to live my life by those standards, that standards anymore because I felt like I was failing. So I thought, let me, you know, it was towards the end of my nine-month journey, I thought, no matter what happens, I had learned so much while I was traveling, and I had all this time to kind of live in deep awareness. Yes. And I thought, these are the things that I want to remember, no you know, I had affirmations or vows that I drew up, and I was in this gorgeous little B&B on the beach in Zanzibar. No one was around. It was like at sunrise. It was kind of like a meditation. Beautiful. So, you know, I say I invited the universe to my wedding because, you know, it was just me and some cows. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> it, was, it was symbolic. Yeah. That's, that's what I call it. This, I'm so, I have so many questions. One, uh, how long was this whole soul-searching journey? Well, I feel like our whole lives are soul-searching, right? But oh, this, yeah. this particular, it's, it was a nine-month kind of period that I allowed myself to lean out of my career. I had a, fortunately set up a situation where I could work remotely for several months, which helped like me right. to make ends meet financially. Yes. So it was nine months um, of the actual kind of uh, man fast, per mm -hmm. se. Um, but I feel like I still continue to soul-search. <laughs> and was there ever a time when you thought, wow, I feel very alone, or was did you feel completely at, at ease and at peace while you were traveling alone? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I've traveled a lot, obviously, for my work, but I never felt lonely, and I was like, is there anything right. wrong with me? Am I, like, some big, weird loner? No. Um, <laughs> I loved being alone. I think, I think I never had enough alone time because I was always around people, and especially in New York, and you're always com commuting, and you're on a packed subway, and then my office. It was just so many people and so many social events and engagements, yeah. and I... I had reached a point in my life, you know, my late 30s, where I, I was craving spaciousness. Um, yeah. There's a term for it in Japanese called yutori. It's like this um, kind of a spiritual place to be in, to just want to be able to do some internal work. And that's something that you have to do on your own. And the funny thing is that I, as much as I tried to be alone on this journey, I kept meeting people, but then each person I met, I would, would have some kind of lesson for me or have yes. some kind of wisdom to share, yeah. and I try to capture that in the writing. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. I feel like is it's important to be open to those conversations, to those moments of meeting total strangers, because it can be a gift. 
Absolutely. I feel like, you know, I started to believe in this sort of synchronicity and, you know, I have this character that I write about, um, Maya and the book in Sicily, and I end up staying with her when I work on her vineyard. And she just, she was one of these people who, like, lived nine lives. And I just, she had so many profound shards of wisdom to communicate. And I thought, wow, I was really meant to kind of be in this household for a few weeks and to just be around that energy. And it helped me, like, work through some of my own stuff, um, you know, because she was a woman who'd had a complex uh, life that, you know, she'd lived all over the place as well. And I, you know, part of what I was doing this journey was trying to understand and also share the richness and complexity of my experience of being a woman so far. So that's mm-hmm. what a lot of the book is about as well. Now, you, when you were done with this journey, you went back to New York? I went, I went back to New York to finish, um, finish a contract that I'd had with the UN. Okay. Um, and, then, and then I decided that I didn't want to stay, even though I'm, I'm always going to be a New Yorker at heart. I, um, I had really fallen in love with nature again mm-hmm. on this trip because every place that I was attracted to um, had, it was, it was a natural environment. It was a jungle or it was, you know, a savanna. Or I just felt like I had been starved of it, you know, sure. for so many years, and I didn't, didn't want to go back to it. I feel for my own kind of lifestyle that I want, I need to be around greenery. I need to feel like that's a part of my life on a daily basis, and I think when I lived in New York, I couldn't, didn't make enough of an effort. You know, you don't, you don't actually go to Central Park every day when you live in no, the city. You, no, you don't. And so, but um, I ended up relocating to Washington, D.C., which is where I grew up, and it's, 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 a, it's just a slower town, and it just, Good. it's, really gorgeous and green and it just kind of fits where I am right now that's good you figured out what worked best for you it's like you took a break from New York I grew up in New York so I get it because it's very hard to be mindful and tuned in to yourself you're just going at this frenetic speed right and I just didn't know how to I know people can you know work at a different pace but I had like a full-time career there so I was you know doing the nine to five or nine to seven thing and you know it's so expensive that you do have to work so hard to make you know pay the bills and to pay your rent and um, so there isn't really that time to have like that kind of cool artistic life I just never knew how to have that Mm -hmm. I mean I wanted it where I could just like roam around coffee shops and you know just hang out in the village or um, but I think it's becoming increasingly hard to do that there. Um, and it's just the energy of the city, which is exhilarating. And I think I think it's a great place to, to get inspired and, you know, all that stuff. But I think, like, I had that all. Like, I'd been there, I guess, a total of seven years. And, yeah. um, you know, that's enough. But, of course, well, I can, you know, I go up and I love it. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm really more of a New Yorker. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but you need a break. You need to know how to recharge yourself and tune into how you're feeling and all the other things you want to do. Yeah, and like now I'm engaged and I'm expecting my first baby Aww, next month. And, you know, it's like it's different when you have a child coming into the world. It's like I never wanted to raise kids in New York, even though, like, yeah. one could argue it's a great place to raise kids. I just think, like, financially and, I mean, not that D.C. is that <laughs> much cheaper, but <laughs> um, I just uh, I just knew that I, I, this, this would be, like, a more, more fertile place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talk about that a lot in my book, Fertility, and wanting to stay fertile longer, and it's, you know, it has a whole health and well-being component to it. Yes. Um, so, yeah. m- may I ask, where did you meet your fiancé? Yeah, I actually didn't meet him on a dating app or anything. It happens really organically, um, which is what I always wanted. It never felt, I mean, Tinder can be fun, I guess, but I never felt, it felt so um, structured or mechanical or, yes. you know, um, and I, I just met him 
I met him because I was bitten by a tick at an ashram in upstate New York. And, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine, um, she, she is his patient. He's a doctor, and she sent me to him, and then it just sort of kind of develops into, like, a deeper companionship mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Um, That's great. And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had a feeling you were going to say you met him on an ashram. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he wasn't. He wasn't in the ashram, but I had, you know, left the ashram and then was like, I need to. I don't want to get um, Lyme disease. I was worried about of that. He does a lot of alternative medicine, so that oh, was good. kind of, yeah. Well, congratulations! That is so exciting. Uh, tell me, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. Um, people can go to my website, which is www.natashascripture.com, or they can follow me on Instagram, at Natasha Scripture. I'm also on uh, Twitter, at NatScript, and I'm going to be doing some blogs, and um, I was in the Washington Post and in uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer last week, so um, yeah, I'm happy uh, that, that people are reading the book and apparently enjoying it. <laughs> What, what advice would you give for people that find themselves in a funk or in this, you know, mo- time of uncertainty? Um, it sounds like may- perhaps they should go off and go on some soul-searching journey as well. I mean, absolutely. I'll always encourage that, but I realize it's not realistic for everyone to just kind of, you know, throw in the towel and leave wherever they live. Yes. Um, I think when you don't have kids and you're not in a partnership, the one great thing about that is that you can do that. Mm-hmm. And I did it on a shoestring budget, <laughs> mind you. So, you know, if, if that's the fear, it's like, actually, once you step into that path and if you're meant to be on that path, there is a flow and the money just came. Like, yeah. you know, I just kind of manifested all these little, um, this contract and it, and it worked. But I, I think people need to ask themselves, how do they live a life that is authentic and inspiring for them, and what does that look like? Yes, definitely. Because sometimes we're so used to just doing what everyone else is doing, but I'm like, maybe this isn't what you're supposed to Maybe you're not supposed to work in advertising in Manhattan. Maybe you're supposed to be doing something else. And it's like really question, you know, and really ask ourselves, like, what the heart, what do we want to do? And, and you know, sometimes I, and I really believe this, I think we have to get lost to be able to, find ourselves. You bet. So if you haven't lost yourself, then you should try. Yes. <laughs> and and see what happens. And don't be scared in the process because getting lost can be a really good thing. Well, absolutely. Uh, we have to wrap, but I want to thank you so much for calling in the show. I've loved chatting with you. We've been speaking with Natasha Scripture, author of Manfest, a memoir. Congrats. Thank you so much. Oh, congratulations. Thanks for calling in. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you missed any part of my conversation with Natasha, it'll be up on the show blog. Right now, all her info is on there as well. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. (laughs) 